Amen. Well, thank you guys. You guys can be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us in that. We just, uh, I think we have lifted high the name of Jesus in passionate worship, which is a pretty awesome thing that we get to do together. I want you to uh, open your Bibles and go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians. If you don't have a Bible, we love to study this together, and so we want you to have a copy of one in front of you. If you don't have one, our ushers are coming around. You just get their attention. They would love to give you one, or you can follow along with us on uh, the Bible app, and we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we are continuing this series where we are pursuing the mission, pursuing the mission uh, that God has given to us as a church, and in fact, we've actually kind of adjusted the language of our mission statement, so I really, I want to get after this because I want us to be able to see this is kind of the vision and where we're going and what we're doing and, and just kind of dig back into the DNA of who we are as a church and the the kind of things that we are pursuing together. And so here's our mission statement. Uh, you, you, I, I want you to be able to get this. We want to memorize it, so I'm going to have you say it with me in just a minute. But our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community, right? This isn't just something that we slap on the wall because you're supposed to have a mission statement. This drives everything that we do. And so why don't you, just so that you can get this down, I know it's super awkward, but why don't you say this with me? Let's just say it all together, all right? Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community. First and foremost, we want to glorify God. In fact, that kind of sums up the whole thing, that we are here for his glory. We are vertical first. We want him to get all the glory that he is due. And so everything about our church centers on the word of God and the proclamation and the exaltation of Jesus as our king, which is why in our new logo, you see a crown at the center of a Bible. We just It's just kind of a reminder for us that we would go vertical first and make sure that he is getting all the glory. And then we want to make disciples. That's how we do this. How we glorify God is by making disciples of all nations. That's getting after the Great Commission. Uh, doing what Jesus said and, and, and trying to share the gospel and helping those disciples that, that trust in him grow in maturity and even in multiplication. But it's not just here. It's a focus both here and there, right? Across the street and around the world because we want to make disciples of all nations. But as we're doing that, we want to do this and, and, and live in loving community. Because we're not just an army on a mission. We're also a family. I love being a part of this church and what God has called us to do. And, and, and this uncommon community needs to be marked by the love of Christ, and we're uh, growing in that. So that, that's the mission that God has given. Now let me give you here the six pursuits, okay? Here are six uh, pursuits. These are how we pursue uh, the mission that God has given to us. These are characteristics of our ministry that we want to be true of us. I told you before, this is not something that we would necessarily say, like, we've arrived and we've got this figured out. But these are things that we're chasing after. These are things that we want to be true of us. And so we're pursuing these things, but this is how we pursue the mission. And, and last week we looked at the first fervent prayer because we know we're not going anywhere without the Lord. And so we've got to be on our knees together. I've told you, uh, we, we don't want to just have a prayer team. We're thankful for that. We want to be a praying church, all right? It's got to be forefront right at the beginning. We're going to get on our knees and ask God to really do a powerful work in and through us. And the second pursuit that we're going to look at today is bold preaching. Bold preaching. Now, uh, let me just state the obvious. It's a little weird to preach on preaching, right? Um, 
you know, maybe you're kind of even wondering, why, why are we going to preach about preaching? I'm guessing that most of you in here do not feel called uh, to become a preacher, all right? Now, I realize that some of you do, and I love that. I'm so thankful for that. And honestly, there's a few of you that have said this to me, and, and, and we're working with you because we want to develop that and, and, and want you to pursue the, the calling that God has on you. And, 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 and maybe I'm hoping, if I can just take a side note here, I'm hoping that more of you feel that call. More of you want to be able to do that. And if that's you, if you have a desire for that, that's not a bad thing. The desire itself can be biblical. In fact, Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that there's an aspiration to the office of an overseer, someone who has the ability to teach God's word. And if, that, uh, if God has gifted you in that and the Spirit is leading you towards that, there should be a desire. We would hope for that. And, and if you want that and have a desire towards that, just come talk to me, okay? We want to encourage you towards that. And so obviously, if that's you, if you've preached before or you want to preach, then this message is for you. But what about everybody else? I mean, what about uh, all the other people that are not planning on ever preaching a sermon in your entire life? I mean, how is this applicable? Uh, I'm always asking the question, like, why does our church need to hear this? Well, here's why. I, I, I really want us to grow in our, our conviction about bold preaching, preaching for uh, two reasons. Let me give you just two. There's probably more, but here's, here, here's two reasons. One is, one is that I, I just want us to grow in our hunger for the Word of God. Honestly, you should be able to know what to expect when you gather together with God's people on a Sunday morning. We say this, it's never just another Sunday. When we gather together, listen, we're going to hear from God. That's crazy. We are going to hear from God because you don't need a message from a man. We need a message from the Lord. And so I've told you this before, and I don't mean to be trite in this. I mean this. If you ever hear the words, stop. If you ever stop hearing the words, let's open up our Bibles at Fairfax Bible Church, then stop coming to this church and go find another where you will. Because we need to hear a message from the Lord. It's so important that we're going to do that. But I want to be really clear that, uh, I don't know if you know this, but, but preaching is not the main event here at our church. Do you know that? It's not the main event when we gather together on Sunday morning. God's glory is the main event. But preaching God's word should put God's glory on display and, and so that we're uh, seeing the glory of Jesus. And so it's so important for you to be regularly sitting under the teaching of God's word. We want to grow in our hunger for it. But the second reason we need that then is so that we would really grow in our love for Jesus. We want to love Christ. I hope that you know when we open up our Bibles, and we'll talk more about this this morning, that, that it's not just a list of, of do's and don'ts like a self-help book. Uh, this is not just for self-improvement. This is a story. It's a story of God's love for sinners and, and the finished work of Jesus on the cross and what he has done for us so that instead of wrath and judgment, what we actually deserve, instead we get his mercy and, and his grace and salvation, and, and we have the hope of living with him for all of eternity. That's awesome news. And we open our Bibles because we have a conviction about the centrality of the gospel. That because he first loved us, we love him and we want to be like him and we're growing in that. And, and so because we love Jesus, we love his people and there's a growing love in our church. And then that love actually compels us to go because we want more people to know and love Christ. And so it's so important for us 
Uh, we have to be committed to bold preaching if we're going to glorify God by making disciples of all nations as we live in loving community. So we should probably get into the text. That'd be a good thing for us to do, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Before we do that, though, I, I, let, me, let me give you the big idea. Here's, here's what I want you to see uh, as, as we're uh, reading through this this morning is this. Bold preaching of the word of God must focus on Jesus and depend on the Holy Spirit. Gotta focus on Jesus and depend on the Holy Spirit. Let me show that to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting right at the beginning, Paul says this, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Father, we thank you for what a privilege it is that we have to open up this book. And Lord, that is a privilege that we get to spend this time with your people listening to you, speaking to us. And God, we get to approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. And what a sweet thing that when we're asking to hear from you, we want to hear from you, that you're going to speak to us and that your spirit would be present, that you would fill us with your spirit so that not only would we hear you, but our hearts would hear you so that we want this, so we want to be more like you and that we would be changed by your word. I pray that in all of it, that every, every week when we gather to do this, that we, we would see Jesus as we open up the pages of scripture. It would just be more and more clear to us that this is a story of what you have done for us and that we would love you. Thank you for this privilege. Um, I know we're undeserving of it, but I pray that we would approach it in humility and dependence on the spirit of God and that you would work even now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let me give you um, four commitments that I see here, four commitments of our church in the pursuit of bold preaching. Here's one. We commit to proclaim the word of God. We commit to proclaim the word of God. That's what Paul is doing here in the city of Corinth. In fact, he's actually got some history with this church, uh, he says this, verse one, he says, it's when I came to you, brothers. So he's been in Corinth before, and it's not just that he paid them a little bit of a visit, he actually helped to plant this church. In fact, uh, just so that we get the context, uh, let's put a map up here, and, and mostly so that I can use my laser pointer, but I want you to be able to see what's going on here. This is Paul's second missionary journey where he's traveling around the world, preaching the gospel, planting churches, and, and you see Paul started off here in Antioch, came all the way here to the city of Corinth. All right? And it's not just that he stopped in the Corinth uh, for just a uh, you know, sightseeing tour. He came to uh, see the best things that they had to see in, in just a couple of days, and then he was out. He actually spent a year and a half in Corinth on this missions trip. He spent 18 months with these people in this city, and he's trying to help them understand the gospel, and he's helping plant this church. 
And then uh, he's writing this letter that we're reading, 1 Corinthians. He writes this on his third missionary journey about four or five years later after he planted the church. Okay, so This kind of makes sense that, that, that he spent a lot of time with these people. So when he says to them, verse 1, when I came to you, brothers, he basically said, you remember that? You remember when I came to you? I came to you proclaiming the testimony of God, he says. Just not with lofty speech or wisdom. The reason this church even exists in the first place is because God sent Paul here to proclaim the word of God. Preaching is proclaiming. That that word proclaiming means to, to make something known and have a wide distribution and announce it broadly. And this word in, in the New Testament actually just kind of explodes into uh, the Bible in the book of Acts as the apostles start to carry out the Great Commission. We just start seeing it cropping up everywhere as, as Peter and John are, are, are proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 4. And then uh, Paul and Barnabas are proclaiming the word of the Lord to cities around the world in chapters 13, 14, and 15, and then Paul's reasoning in the synagogue in Thessalonica and proclaiming Christ in chapter 17, and then standing in defense before King Agrippa and testifying that Christ must be proclaimed to both the Jews and the Gentiles. It just starts showing up all over the place because the point was we need to get the word out. People need to hear this message. In fact, it's so important that they would proclaim that in just a few chapters from here in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul's going to say this, the Lord commanded, so this is a command of the Lord, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim, same word, those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. All right, so this is super awkward for me to be talking about, uh, but I just want you to be able to understand what scripture teaches us that it's actually God's design that guys like me, people uh, like me that have kind of been called to this, that, that my salary would be paid by this church so that I can focus and give adequate time uh, to the study and the preparation and the proclamation of this book for the shepherding of God's people. God's designed it that way. And I hope you see that that, that, that doesn't elevate my importance at all. But I, I hope you see just how important it is to have the word of God. It's showing how much we need to get this word out. This book is not just something that we should be reading. I mean, we should be reading it. We should be reading it voraciously. We need to read like our life depends on it. But this book is not just to be read. This book needs to be proclaimed. And the church grows under bold preaching of God's word. That's how the church grows. Now that's not just numerically, okay? We're not just talking about like getting more people in and, and, and having a lot with that. We would be excited about that. We praise God. We want more. We want to make more disciples, but we also want to see those disciples grow in their love for Christ and their faithfulness to his mission. And so let me uh, show you what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1. I've got it for you on the screen. Here he says, Him we proclaim, same word, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Here's the reason. That we may present everyone mature in Christ. So we are committed to proclaim the word of God because this is how we're going to grow in maturity. Got to preach God's word. I hope you see what a special thing this is 
that we get to do when we gather together then. Which means this. Listen, um, I love this privilege of being able to do this. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work. I'm going to try to be here every week, Lord willing, or at least almost every week. The question is, will you commit to regularly sitting under the teaching and the proclamation of God's word every week? It's important that we're, if we're going to grow, if we're going to grow in maturity, that we're doing this, that we're coming together because we need to come under the book. But look at what he's proclaiming again. Look at, look at verse 1. He says, uh, I, I'm proclaiming, I came proclaiming the testimony of God. That testimony, that, that word, to be honest, is a little unclear. Because some of the manuscripts that we have of the book of 1 Corinthians uh, in the Greek have a different word. There's actually two different words, and we're kind of debated as to which word is it. Uh, some manuscripts have the word marturion, which is the word that we see here in the ESV reflected there, uh, marturion, but other uh, uh, Greek manuscripts have the word mysterion, right? So, so some have this word marturion where we get our word martyr, and it means uh, a testimony or a witness. It means verbally declaring what someone has seen and what somebody knows to be true. And so it's somebody that is, that, that is declaring and becoming a witness to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. It's true. It happened. And then others uh, are using the word uh, mysterion, where we get our word mystery. So it's not like, not like, a, a, like a puzzle or a, a, a secret code that you have to crack. Uh, but, but when uh, that word is used in the New Testament, it refers to a secret that couldn't have been known in the Old Testament that has now been revealed to us in the work and the person of Jesus. Namely, that Jesus is the Lord and that salvation is found in his name because of what he's done and it's available to all. And, and so either way, I hope you see that, uh, uh, whichever word is really being used, they're both referring to the same thing. They're both referring to the gospel. Preaching the Bible. Because the word of God reveals the gospel of Jesus, which leads us to our second commitment. I want you to note this. We commit to focus on the cross of Jesus. When we preach here at Fairfax Bible Church, we're going to focus on the cross of Jesus. Paul says in verse 2, he says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he's very aware that that is not necessarily a popular message. In fact, back in chapter 1, he just said that the, the cross of Christ is both a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. Most of them are going to hear that and they're going to be like, eh, I don't know. It's not really doing it for me. It's not really all that interesting, not, 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 not convincing. And that's especially because uh, these, these Gentiles have been influenced by the Greek culture in the city of Corinth. They're, they're expecting to be impressed uh, by great orators, those who have studied in rhetoric and, and, and philosophy. Uh, they're, they're, they're looking for you know, something that has the air of some intellectual credibility and prominence or some sort of philosophical intrigue, You know, the kind of conversation that if, if you can hang with it and, and you can speak the language a little bit, you can kind of walk around and feel like, I am so much smarter than you, right? Like, that's the, that's the kind of feel that they're looking for. And so a story about a, a Jewish radical who dies on a Roman cross like a criminal is just not really what they're looking for. Not interesting. But Paul says, verse 1, I didn't, I didn't come with lofty speech or wisdom. That's, that's what they were looking for. They were, they were looking for 
lofty, high speech that, 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 that refers to something of superiority and authority or, or wisdom. That, that word there really has the idea of the ability to acquire knowledge and truth by natural reasoning. Like you don't, you don't, you don't need supernatural revelation. Like we can, you know, we can wrestle with this and we can think this through and we can figure this out on our own. And Paul's like, listen, I know that that's the kind of talk that you might have wanted to hear, but, but I just wasn't playing that game. I think this is really significant because um, Paul is not concerned with tickling the ears of his culture or wowing them with his performance and his public speaking ability. He knows they just need to hear the word of God. Our culture desperately needs to hear the word of God. But if you'd be willing to admit with me, Uh, Most of us have the attention span of a goldfish, right? I mean, we've been inundated and we're processing so much information all the time that that there's so much coming in all the time that that, that we we need everything, we want everything to just kind of be reduced to a headline. I don't want to have to read that much. Better yet, if you could just put it in a meme so it's in pictures, that's even better. Like we just, we don't have time for all of this stuff that's coming in, right? We're just processing too much. How many of you uh, clicked on a video this week and it, you found the video was like, this is seven minutes long. Psh, I don't have time for that. I'm like, I'm not watching a video that, that's long, right? We don't have time for that. And if your friend posts like a really long post on social media, uh, Facebook will actually just automatically shorten that for you. And, and there's this little continue reading button that you have to click because they know nobody has time to read this kind of stuff. There's just too much going on. You know, there's just too much information. And so the idea idea that we would sit and we would read and we would listen to the preaching and the proclamation of the Bible for 40 minutes? Like, you got to be kidding me. We just don't do that, right? So for some churches, if you think about it, this is, this is a problem. We've got to address this. And so the solution um, might be that, that we would... Um, Get creative and get flashy and, and try to you know, capture your attention and hook you in with, with, with relevant and, and intriguing topics and that, that, that we would be entertaining. And, and I'm, here's, here's the deal. I'm, I'm just going to confess to you that I realize that if we want to try to be interesting and, and engaging with you, I am well aware that we are not going to be able to compete with Netflix or with ESPN or with everything that you're getting on social media. Like, I mean, we are so addicted to content and entertainment and all that's coming in that I realize that, that some of you have had a hard time hanging with me for, you know, we haven't even been going that long, but it's been hard for you to do this without checking the notifications on your phone, right? I saw you. <laughs> and so did God. No, I'm just kidding. Um, here's the deal. I know, um, I know what our culture wants, but we're convinced that we don't need gimmicks that we're not trying to impress you or entertain you. We just need to open up our Bible so that you would see Jesus. Now, we want to be creative and clear in our communication, but we don't want to lose sight of the fact that what we really need is the gospel. That's what we need. In fact, Romans chapter 1 says this. I've got it for you on the screen. You probably know this, but Paul says, For this, uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. It's not my insights, it's not my thoughts, it's, that's not going to affect a real and lasting change in you. It's the message of Jesus. We're convinced of that. So let me, uh, 
I thought it'd be kind of cool to give you a little bit of behind the scenes of what it's like for me as a preacher and just getting ready on Sunday morning. So, so something that happens uh, quite regularly on a Sunday morning before I even get up here is, uh, in fact, it was happening this morning. I'm a part of a text chain uh, with a whole bunch of other brothers and, and pastors in uh, the Great Commission Collective here on the East Coast. Love those guys. So thankful for them. And we're texting back and forth a lot. And I don't know why, but for whatever reason, on Sunday morning, it seems like we're always uh, going at it, blowing up each other's phones with like scripture and encouragement and jokes and just having a lot of fun. I love those guys. There's a lot of encouragement before we get up into the pulpit and preach God's word. But one of the guys uh, that has been especially encouraging to me is my friend, Pastor Dan Hammer over there in Harvest Annapolis, only about an hour away. He's one of my dear friends. Love this guy. And um, I was thinking back to uh, what happened this last Easter. Easter Sunday back in April, uh, you got to understand Easter Sunday is, I was told, you know, when I was uh, being mentored in uh, ministry that Easter Sunday is like the Super Bowl for the pastors, right? So Easter Sunday morning this last year, I woke up and I don't need any coffee. I am fired up and ready to go. But I was kind of feeling the weight of what was about to happen. Like, like, I'm excited, and this is going to be great. It's going to be an awesome day, but we, we, we got people that are going to be coming in, and, 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 and we want to make sure that they hear the gospel. We want it to be really clear, just kind of feeling the heaviness of that. And, and Pastor Dan Hammer texted me this passage of Scripture, this, uh, this text here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, and, and just to remind me that I don't have to be clever. I don't have to be funny. I'm not a comedian. I'm not an entertainer. Just get up and preach the word and exalt Jesus. That's what we came to do. In fact, that was the day uh, that Melissa gave her life to Christ, and we, we uh, got to see her baptized just a couple weeks ago. We just need to preach Jesus. Paul says, We don't need lofty speech or wisdom, just Christ and him crucified. When we open our Bibles together, we are going to focus on the cross of Jesus. Now, some of you are kind of thinking, well, what about all the stories that aren't about the cross? Like, what, what do we do with that? Well, I want to help show you that it's part of our responsibility to help you see how every passage, every text connects to the gospel. That, that we want to read every scripture in context so that we understand the original intention of the author and, and his audience. But we also want to recognize that all of it has been written under the inspiration of one author, the Holy Spirit. And we want to see each text, each story, in light of the story of the Bible as a whole, which centers on the cross of Jesus. Sally Lloyd-Jones has really struck gold on this one in her book, The Jesus Storybook Bible. Many of you parents have that. I would highly recommend it. Honestly, I would say, uh, it, not just for parents, this is not just for adults. If you want to hear and try to understand what the Bible's really all about, I would highly recommend that. But here's what she says. There are a lot of stories in the Bible But all the stories are telling one big story, the story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story, and at the center of this story, there is a baby. And every story in the Bible whispers his name. Let me show you how this works. So so we've been preaching through the book of Exodus, right? 
And uh, this is kind of what we do. I think it's healthy for us as a church to be getting into books of the Bible and just working verse by verse. And one of the reasons for that is because then you can't skip over things that you don't want to talk about. We have to preach the whole counsel of God's Word, and it's healthy for us to learn how to study through books of the Bible together. And so we've spent already, we've spent 20 weeks in the book of Exodus. That's a lot, and we've got a lot more to go. But I hope that you've noticed this. Maybe you've noticed that it's really all about Jesus, even though Jesus' name is never even mentioned. Because when we open up the book of Exodus, what we're not trying to do is find the moral of the story. We're not trying to just be better than the whiny Israelites or to be like Moses as if he's the hero. In fact, the more you read the Bible, you start to realize that all of the heroes of the Bible are not really heroes at all. I mean, they're just a whole bunch of broken sinners just like us. There's only one hero. And the same heart problems of the sinners that we're reading about in Scripture are the same heart problems in us. And all of them are answered by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So we come back to Christ. Now, I'm going to pull the curtains back in my world just a little bit more. If I could uh, show you uh, my preaching notes, you would see that they're uh, color-coded. I do that because it's helpful for me, and I I know where I'm going. I see things pretty easily. But um, I've got, for me, and and, and everybody does this differently, but for me, I've got my big idea and my points in green. I've got my uh, scripture in blue. I've got my illustrations in purple. I've got my application in red. And then just a few years ago, I really was uh, being convicted of this, and God was growing my heart and making sure that everything really is centered on Jesus and the gospel. And so for me, in my notes, the gospel is in orange. I want to make sure that it's spread throughout our, our messages. So practically what that means is that red should come after orange. Because the application, what we do, flows out of the gospel. What Christ has done for us. Many of us um, may have grown up in a church culture of legalism. You ever heard this word? Legalism, I mean, honestly, a lot of, you, you can still, you know, say the name of Jesus and, and, and be all about Christ, but for all intents and purposes, legalism is just this idea that, uh, you know, in order to be right with God, you got to toe the line. you got to keep the rules. you got to be good. And, and so it kind of reduces Christianity down to a list of, uh, of rules of do's and don'ts. And a, a lot of times, especially in some of the cultures that, that we may have grown up in, there are a lot of churches that for most of them, that list was mostly don'ts. Christians don't do this, and Christians don't do that, and, and, and you, you know, Christians don't go to movies, and we don't dance, and we don't, you know, sing, we don't, whatever. We, like, we don't, it's just no, 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 to the point where it's almost like Christians, if it's fun, no. The answer is no, right? Some of those churches found their identity in, in, in really who or what they were against. I mean, the idea of like a preacher wearing jeans instead of a suit and tie and things like that is just like crazy. And so I only say that just to help you understand. Like, obviously, we've kind of, there's been a shift. Most of us have kind of swung away from that. But I want us to be careful. Because I think if we don't really understand and proclaim that the Bible is all about Jesus, then we're in danger of taking the same legalism and simply baptizing it in a more relevant style and positivity. 
If all you hear when you gather together and we're opening up God's word on a Sunday morning is things like seven practical steps to a, a, a better you and, and, and advice and tips on how to be a better husband and how to be a better wife and how to be a better coworker and the how-tos on handling life and difficulties and eventually you start treating God's word as if it's merely just a guidebook for self-improvement, like self-help and, and it's giving you this false impression that all you gotta do is just, you gotta try harder and you can do it and be a better person and work at this and, and honestly, it might sound nicer because oftentimes it, it stays away from talking about the negative things like sin and judgment and all of that. It might be more encouraging and trying to be relevant, or it might even be in your face and, and, and bold and challenging and trying to motivate you to try to be better. And so, 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 so it may not be like it used to be a message uh, of negativity, like don't, don't, don't. But if all you're hearing is do, 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 still legalism. So I just want to say that's exhausting, even if it's helpful. Like the last thing we want is, is for you to have this sense of like, oh my goodness, we got more things I got to do. I mean, last week was just so hard. And now I got more things that I got to try to do on top of this and just, we just feel exhausted. But listen, listen, the gospel sets us free. Only the gospel sets us free. And we need to be regularly diving into the scriptures and just swimming in this glorious and refreshing truth that because of what Jesus has done for you, you have his mercy and his grace and you are loved and there's nothing that you can do that's going to change that. You don't have to earn it. You can't lose it. But he loves you. And when you realize that, and the more you understand that, the more you see that in the scripture, then you're just overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude and love. And there's a love for Christ. And then watch, watch, watch this. Christ's love then compels you to want to obey and be like him. Because we're not talking about don't be practical. What I want to tell you is that the gospel is intensely practical. Because all of the imperatives in scripture flow out of the indicatives that we love because he first loved us. God does this work in our heart and he changes us so that we have different desires. Now I want to obey the Bible and be more like Christ because the Bible tells me who I am in Christ. Make sense? So when we preach, we're gonna focus on the cross. Now I have... Two more commitments. I want to give these to you quickly. Here, here we see. Here's the third uh, commitment if you're taking notes. We commit to maintain a posture of humility. I want to maintain a posture of humility. Paul says, verse 3, that, that I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. So uh, Paul is not really concerned with uh, trying to come across as strong or impressive. In fact, later in his letters, he's going to seem to indicate that he's aware that, that people actually think he's a better uh, writer than he is uh, a public speaker. This ever happened to you where you um, saw somebody that you listened to on the radio all the time, and you're like, that's them? Like, nah, was I, I was expecting. Has this ever happened to you? I think that's what people thought when they heard Paul speak. They're like, this is the same guy that wrote those letters to us? Like, just not what we were anticipating there. Paul is not relying on his, his, his physical presence or his personality in preaching because he's not interested in making converts of Paul. 
fact, that, that was actually a struggle because back in chapter one, there were some people that were walking around saying, well, I follow Paul. And others were saying, well, I follow Apollos and I follow Cephas. And the really spiritual ones were like, well, I follow Jesus, right? And, and, and Paul's like, whoa, 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 time out. What, 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 what's happening here? He, he says, was Paul crucified for you? Like, he's not trying to make it anything about me. He doesn't need anybody to think that he's great. He just wants to point to Christ. We don't need celebrities in the church. Nobody ever needs to leave here thinking, wow, Pastor Jeff. Wow, Matt Rumbaugh. Wow, Phil. But we want everybody walking away saying, wow, Jesus. I'm just a mess too, like you, okay? Nobody that ever stands up here to preach God's word is a hero. We're just as much in need of God's mercy and his grace and his strength because we're weak. And so we need to maintain a posture of humility, Paul says, with, with fear and with trembling. With fear and trembling. That means there's a respect for the holiness of God and, and that we submit ourselves to his authority, his word. Now let me, let me say this because I, I want everyone to know this at, at our church. Jesus and his word, that's our authority. Not me. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church. He's the head of our church and we submit to him. So we proclaim the word of God, we focus on the cross of Christ, we maintain a posture of humility, and then this fourth command, if you're taking notes, note this. We commit to speak in dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, verse four, my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. So he's kind of realizing, I think it's important for all of us to realize, uh, you're not reasoning anybody into faith. That's not how this works. It's not our ability to communicate that changes people. He says it's the Spirit. Verse 5, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So this just makes sense. Okay, think about this. Only the Spirit gives life. And any change that happens in your life, it starts in your heart, and that's his work. Which is why Philippians chapter 2, he tells us that we're to be working out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in us both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So if I am working out, he's working in. The evidence, the fruit of that change, it comes out of the work that the Spirit is producing in us. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. You get that? Love, joy, peace, patience, these things that are coming out of me. It's like this is, this is, this is different. It's because God has done a work in my heart. So here's what this means for us as a church. We want to grow, but we want to make sure that we're measuring the right things. And if we are going to grow spiritually, then we need the Spirit to be at work. Which means we're completely dependent on Him. But that's why we're committed to pursue, pursuing bold preaching and getting on our knees and praying that the Spirit of God We'll use the word of God to change the men and women of God into the image of God. 
that when we open up our Bibles and we preach this glorious news of the gospel, the Spirit is going to make us more like Jesus. Father, I thank you so much for uh, this reminder, and, and I uh, love being able to do this, and, and it is an absolute privilege because we love your word. Your word has changed us. Your word exalts uh, the person of Jesus, and we want to be more like you. And God, we don't want to burden people down with a list of rules and things that we've got to do to try harder and be better. We want to be set free by the gospel and regularly come back to this so that we would swim in this truth of what you have done for us, what you are doing in us, so that we would be more like you, that we would pursue that and submit to it. Lord, I'm just thankful. Our church knows this, that we don't need to hear from me We don't need a message from a man. We need a message from the Lord. And what an awesome promise that when we gather together, we're going to hear from God. We give you praise for that. And I ask that your spirit is present even now, that you would make us more like Christ. It's in his name we pray.